the podcast is back with a bang for series two. And if you're new here, I'm Angie, and this is the Hyperactive, Impulsive, Inattentive Living podcast. And for those of you who have been around for a while, welcome back. In the couple of weeks break, I have packed my life into a storage container somewhere over near Turin and jetted off to France for the summer. But it sounds more glamorous than it is, I promise. I have, though, been busy interviewing an awesome assortment of guests for Series 2. So to kick us off, I'm joined by Tom Smith, whose list of achievements is so long, I'm going to leave him to tell you everything. Yeah, my name is Tom Smith. I'm on Instagram. I am Tom Smith, the entrepreneur. I'm a guy from Belfast. I'm an author, a 10-act speaker, a TED Talk, a Grand Cardone licensee. I'm very lucky to be a dad, a granddad, and I have the most amazing, beautiful wife in the world. So it's a bit about me. There's already so much to go with there, isn't there? Now, I've listened to a few of the talks you've done and listened a little bit to your backstory already. Can you tell me how you've ended up where you are now? Can you give me like the version of your life story to this point? Yeah, you know, I suppose for me, it's definitely down to complete and utter resilience, total self-belief. When I was a little boy, my mama used to say to me, where did we get you son the movies? And I always had bigger aspirations. You know, I grew up in a war in Northern Ireland for 30 years. 3,600 people, unfortunately, lost their lives. The abnormal madness of death and terror was part of our normal life. So the resilience of Belfast and Northern Ireland is in my DNA. Giving up is never going to happen in my life. You know, I don't know how to tap out. I don't know how to give up. And I have just continued to push. I hustle every single day. I am full of gratitude. I love saying thank you to people. And I am in it to win it from I wake up until I go to sleep every day. Have you always been like this or is this energy something you have to work on? I think it's maybe part of what we're going to speak about. You know, recently from I've found out that I've been diagnosed with ADHD, you know, I am completely full on, but like I am full on in loving my kids. I am full on in loving my wife. I am full on in business. If I'm in the gym, you know, my wife would say to me sometimes, you're not training for the Olympics. In my head, I am. You know, so I'm all in all the time. And do you see that as part of your ADHD then? Or have you, before you found out about ADHD, did you just think this was like, this is Tom, this is normal? Yeah, you know, when I read Grant Cardone's book, 10X, I believe maybe I'm one of these people that does 10 times more, 100 times more, 1,000 times more. And I thought I'm part of this crew of a 10X. From Grant's office in Miami, I have to be one of these people. But when I look around me, you know, not many people sort of work at my pace and it's quite intense. And But I will never lower my standards to suit other people. I am on this journey. I love it. Like, I completely love it. You know, I love my life. I love working. I love my wife and kids. I love going to the gym. I love going to AA. You know, I just... I love watching the sunset. I love having food in my fridge. It's all the basics, all connected, all of the time. And you this know? this kind of all in, this all or nothing approach, this, this yeah. attitude to life, 
do you think you'd just be really bored if everything was average? That would be a horror movie for me. Would you horror. prefer it to be terrible rather than average? No, I just love life. And even, you know, I'm not putting it out there to have challenges, but even my worst challenges, like overcoming alcohol and stuff, are the making of me as a person. You know, anything that life throws at you, will be a, there'll be a lesson in it. You know, if not, life would be boring. So you know. when did you realise that this attitude to life maybe wasn't normal? It wasn't what other people were experiencing daily. I started getting, you know, really good wins and, and successes and stuff. And people just said to me, like, your work rate's insane. You know, where do you get that energy? How do you do it? How do you keep it up? And I'm like, what do you mean? This is just being normal all of the time. And I've had people come and say to me, I've seen you on social media and never for one second did I think you were like this in real life. It's insane. And I, I, you know, it's, I find it's a credit maybe to myself. And I don't normally say, ever say that that my work rate is second to none. Nobody will outwork me. You might have more qualifications, but you will never outwork me. And that's brought a kid from the street up through the ranks of, of corporate world without a qualification to his name, but he's got the resilience of Belfast and his blood, so. What were you like as a kid? Yeah, you know, just a nice kid growing up who lived in, lived in the clouds, his head always wanted more. I got my first job at the age of 10, working in a fish and chip shop. My mum and dad, I'm very, very, very lucky that they're still alive. And they're both healthy, amazing parents, Tommy and Dorothy. But when we grew up in Northern Ireland, in the 70s, people were flat ass broke. Our whole country was smashed to pieces with bombs and terror and no employment. So we were broke. We were broke, but we had a house full of love. And... I, I decided to get my first job at the age of 10 and I was the kid who stood out the back of the chip shop and made the chips. And I peeled the potatoes in a huge machine, put them in the, the chip machine and poured them into huge baths. And in the freezing cold winter, I would have stood in a hot bucket of water trying to stay warm, shivering. And I got paid £10 a week. And that £10 a week back then was a lot of money. I'm 49. And sometimes... Three or four weeks in, I could have bought my own football boots or my own trainees or my own tracksuit. Or sometimes I would have simply looked at my money box and thought, I put that money there. So the young entrepreneur was born. And I remember at 18 years old, I came home with my first wage and bought a, a picture of Marlon Monroe in New York in the subway. And I, I brought it all papered and for my mummy. And she was so happy. She still has it in her kitchen. So I've always been... I've always wanted to give more than receive because I love seeing somebody's face happy. I also love doing that indirectly sometimes, doing something for somebody like paying for their food in a restaurant and walking out without them knowing. But as a kid, yeah, I was a happy kid. But the whole death and terror thing going on was pretty intense. And, you know, you would have found out somebody get killed and you would have went, that's terrible. Do you want fish and chips or do you want a burger? And, you know, it was nearly like, Somebody had been forgot about inside five seconds and you were you were just getting on with your life. And that broke a lot of people and it made a lot of people. And it definitely made me mentally tough. I think over in England, the way the news is reported, we often forget that this was, until very recently, a war. And I think we forget about what happens to people during wars. We think that's something that happens overseas, right? Far away from us. 
Do you think that just had a real profound impact on you? Do you think that's the thing that's, that's kind of defined your resilience and your attitude to life now? Yeah, Northern Ireland, Belfast, you know, Ireland, depending on who wants to look at what part of the country, has made me the best version of myself. You know, it, that, that horrible thing that happened, which now I'm so proud of because our country found peace. Like our community leaders and politicians, what they did with the Good Friday Agreement, talk about somebody having a dream and belief in making something happen. And recently I went to watch the play in the Lyric Theatre, sorry, the Good Friday Agreement. And I sat in tears watching that because of the miracles our politicians and community leaders, the peace that they brought to our community. It was, I was crying with joy knowing that I grew up in a war watching these guys really, really done everything they could to deliver the peace treaty. And I could, I was so grateful to watch it, but it definitely made me tough. You know, I was in London recently and a friend of mine said to me, watch somebody doesn't steal your, your Rolex. And I went, I'm from Belfast, mate. Nobody's taking my watch. You know, and it has to, you know, stand me good stead and it continues to, and I'm very proud of our country and its people. And I've listened to some of your talks where you said you've gone back to Belfast and you've invested there. A lot of your business investments are over in Belfast. Is that really important to you, that kind of going home to your community with your business? Yeah, you know, for me, it's about reaching out to different people and doing things for both sides of our community. doesn't matter what religion I am. I grew up in Northern Ireland or Belfast. It's about giving back. And it bothers me. I'm not a person who ever judges, but it bothers me to see other successful business people sometimes that don't give back. You know, I'll do something for a local church that needs a kitchen or a coffee bar or a local kids football team or a boxing club or a sick child and you're investing in your, your home city and making money from it. So you have to give back to your community where you came from. It's essential. You have to give back. And is that something that you just feel this real sense of right and wrong? This is, this is how you choose to live your life and you think there's a right way of doing it and a wrong way of doing it? Yeah. Well, probably part of my traits is I just see everything black and white. Yeah, yeah. Full on, yes or no, you know, I will probably cut people sometimes and say, don't give me the sentence, is that a yes or a no? Okay, no, okay, thanks, back. I'm like, he's full on, but I have that much going on. I, I don't want to listen to all the nonsense. I just want to get something done and move on. I was. It's because I was thinking, I found out about this ADHD symptom called justice sensitivity. And it's this idea right. that people with ADHD, they have their ideas of like, what is justice? What is just? And they yeah. feel that so strongly and yeah. they get so annoyed and upset if other people don't do that. And I, I see that in myself a lot. I see that in a lot yeah. of the reasons yeah. I went into social work and doing the kind of jobs I did. And that resonates what you're saying about your local community as well. But even, even for me too, it's all core values. Like I would like to say to you openly right now in the podcast, thank you so much for the opportunity because I am so grateful but holding a door open for somebody and please and thank you. And yes, you know, old core values don't cost anything. And maybe I'm going into a tangent, but manners are free. And just sometimes it's nice other people to practice them too. And when I don't see it, it bothers me. It's really interesting to hear you talk about core values because I don't think we actually do hear that a lot from people. Have you 
done a lot of work on yourself. Have you, have you done the reflection and done the work on figuring out who you are? Yeah, I definitely know who I am. And I'm proud of who I am now because I have lived in hell and I tasted what it felt like. And I'm now in recovery. And I love being able to look in the mirror and be proud of myself. You know, recently I landed a huge deal with Grant Cardone in America, the American billionaire. And after the event, you know, everybody thought like, what are you doing tonight? Are you going to a nightclub? Are you doing this? I went back to the one hotel in South Beach. The whole hotel was pumping. And I went for a swim. I went to the gym. I went to an AA meeting. I shared my story with 45 people. I shook their hands. I said, thank you. I went back and watched a movie in my room. I got room service and I went to bed. And that's me being proud of the person that I am now. Because I have evolved from instead of a guy who used to sit and drink at a bar or whatever. And, you know, I always write in my mantra, constantly it's, sorry, constantly changing and becoming the best version of yourself. And I think all of us should find daily reflection and daily improvement. Even if it's 1%, how do I become a better man or woman? You know, because you owe it to yourself that you're always improving. With your journey into recovery, do you want to talk a little bit about how that happened and what was going on for you? It was just, if I had a great week, I had a drink. If I had a bad week, I had a drink. Became, there was no excuse not to have one or, or have one. It was just becoming normal. And I didn't like the version of myself that it was making me. And I can't be this mentor and public speaker and author and I've acted in a film recently and I'm coaching people on what way to behave and how to perform and how to increase their performance. If I'm sitting, being the worst version of myself and I really put the work into myself and I'm proud of the outcome. I also am very aware that it takes daily work to do it. I will never drop the ball. I will never think that I've got it. I know it could come out of the, you know, the darkness and it's stir again. And it's just like going to the gym. It takes daily work, takes constant work. You should never think I've nailed this because you never do. And I love praying to God. I love handing my day over. I've had a spiritual awakening and I've never felt a relationship like in my life with God. It is just second to none. And, you know, being on Cocoa, being on Cocoa Beach or being on South Beach and being on my knees watching the sun come up talking to God in the universe, that's what recovery is. You know, that's, it's just the most special thing. My little girl calling me, telling me she's got A stars and A's in her GCSEs. And you're like, oh my God, I love you so much. That's what it's all about. Instead of sitting in some nightclub or bar, or the place to be with these in people. That's not me. Do you think with the alcohol, that's one of those all or nothing things? There's no, there's no halves. You go in full. Are you, are you, are you kidding me? No yeah. shit. What? Yeah. And then all the recovery, in. all all in in recovery, and you're all in in that but, as well. But you can't be a little bit in or a little bit out. It's all in or all out. You know, you yeah. can't be halfway in the success or halfway in the loving somebody or halfway in the recovery. It's all in or all out. I drink, but I go through phases where I refuse to drink for six months um, and I'll really focus on other things. And part of that is because I can't just go out and have a nice glass of wine with my dinner. I don't see the yeah. point. I don't, yeah. I don't see why you do that. So yeah. I can't just tell my brain, oh, just enjoy one. So I have to give myself the rule. Okay, it's none for six months then. Yeah. And I have to give yeah. myself these rules and then I can follow them. But yeah. 
the rule needs to be there in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it totally. Yeah, I get it more than you know. Yeah. Totally, so do you, yeah. do you have like throughout your life to to get to the gym every morning to do all these things to succeed at your business? Have you got a real structured set of rules for yourself? I, I'm so I'm relentlessly disciplined. It's military level. Like you know, I am so disciplined. You know, it's four o'clock in the morning. Sometimes three thirty, sometimes ha- half two, whatever it takes to work with flights, and I'll do my goals, my gratitude, my mantra, my cardio, and then go to a flight somewhere, or then go to work, and then I might I might train again that day. When I was in Miami, I was training twice a day. You sound um, insane, but for everyone who like obviously can't see you on the podcast, you do look about fifteen years younger than you told me you were. So so you're doing something right, aren't you? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, but you know, it's just, it's protein shakes and bottles of water and, you know, I don't eat carbs during the day, but all these things that somebody may think, that's intense. It's my normal, you know, but what well, I would say to you is I didn't wake up this person. I have built this person. You know, I didn't wake up this guy who's nearly superhuman that can do these things. I have built them to the point where it's now my normal. And if people don't like it, that's okay too, because I love it. Yeah. I love waking up in the calm of the morning. I love having a triple espresso. I love eating a beautiful orange to take the sour taste of the coffee and writing my gratitude and my goals and my mantra and hearing the birds sing. I love then listening to motivational material and smashing my cardio and shouting out loud, let's go. And, and my neighbor maybe thinks that guy's killed somebody else again. You know, and it's just on it. And I'm high octane and I'm happy and I'm getting out of a private car in an airport. I'm thanking the driver and I'm thanking the air hostesses and I'm thanking the ground staff. Yeah. I'm sprinkling gold dust on people by just saying, my breakfast this morning was amazing. Thank you so much. It costs nothing to be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'm also intense. I will push for the best deal. I will do whatever I have to do to get the deal over the line. If it means driving to Glasgow, London, 22 hours with no sleep, whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. And I really love it. I love, um, I want to give my wife and kids the life of their wildest dreams and leave a legacy behind me that my grandkids and great grandkids go, my granddad was on YouTube. My granddad acted in movies. He did this. I want to make them all proud. I want to inspire kids from the street. You know, recently I met two kids and it broke my heart. Their mother had died from addiction. Their father was in jail. And they came to me for, for motivation. I sent them my mentoring course, my pre-recorded one for free because I just wanted to help them out. And I believe all my positivity and success, I'm doing this to inspire the kids from the street to let them know if I can do it, they can do it. We got introduced because I know someone who you are the mentor of and he speaks wildly about you and how motivating you are and how being around you gives him this extra boost of energy and confidence to do things. And I'm thinking about all this discipline you have Mm. and how probably most people with ADHD really want more discipline. But I think I swing more your way where I give myself such strict rules because if I don't have them, everything goes to chaos, right? Without the rules, everything goes to chaos. So I think I, I swing in your direction rather than the chaotic direction because of rules. Yeah. But with you, it sounds like these, you follow these rules because you've implemented them, the rules you want to follow. Yeah. So like, what were you like at school or what are you like if other people tell you what to do? Yeah. 
Well, number one, the guy you're talking about, I don't want to say his name in case he wants a cat, but he's the most amazing guy and I love him to bits and I'm so proud to see his journey. And okay, I might be the mentor from Dream Mentor, but I also have just woke up the genius that he already was. So I want to just say that. So a couple of things. Going to school, I remember my science teacher saying to me, can you just sit beside the window, watch the traffic and leave me the fuck alone? And he let me sit there for two years in physics and look at the cars. I, he gave up on me, which when you think now, it's quite bad. And recent, recently when I was diagnosed, I hope this makes people laugh because I was like, oh my goodness. I was being diagnosed when we ADHD and the guy says to me, you buy multiple items. And I'm like, yeah, I bought six hoodies yesterday. I buy, when I buy moisturizer, I buy three. When I buy aftershave, I buy two. And he's like, yeah. He says, you always know where speed cameras are apart from mobile ones you pay your speed tickets and, and parking tickets at the very last minute and he started telling me all these traits about me and i'm like wow and i was laughing but i was also concerned yeah so i'm having i'm owning it and loving it for all the right reasons and my disciplines are my life my journaling is my life would you listen to what anyone else said or like, could you have yeah. anyone else as your boss ever? My wife. Okay. <laughs> She's a real boss. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I really would take somebody's advice. I'm also obsessed with cleaning. Like okay. when I leave my home in Manchester to fly back to Ireland, it's as if the cleaners are already been. Even as much if there's a seat out of line, I'll have to straighten it. I, I really do believe every day is a school day. And if somebody wants to give me advice, my brain's like a sponge and I'll take it. I will not listen to the opinion of fools. Okay. But every day, I, I do like learning every day. Mm -hmm. So you know, I, won't, a, yeah. I won't listen to some guy messaging me, you should do your own podcast and do it like this. And he's never done a podcast in his life. Whereas if you message me, tell me advice on a podcast, I'll mm -hmm. take it because you've done it before. And it, it sounds like that is that that's a vital part of being in business that, that you need to know whose advice to buy and whose advice not to buy. Of course, I'll only take advice from somebody who's doing a hundred times better than me, like Grant Cardone, the American billionaire. Get on like a house on fire with him and I have the utmost respect for him. But the man's a billionaire. Of course I'm taking his advice. Yeah. What is the best advice you've ever been given in business or in life? In Keep your feet planted firmly on the ground and always be true to yourself. I will always be that guy. I will never let anything go to my head. I love being grounded. De-risk anything that you're doing if you can. And just be honourable. You know, make your word count. If you're going to put your word on something, be honourable. Because again, it's an amazing old core value that nobody really cares anymore. If I give you my word, I'll be on this podcast. I'm on it. Yeah. And I mean, I'm so back to back writing for a success summit tomorrow in a hotel. But you're as important as that because I give you my word. Thank you. And I think that's a really good thing to mention. I think we've been kind of messaging back and forth for a couple of weeks. And one of us is in one country, one of us is in another country. But making yeah. that time is incredibly generous of you. And when you're talking about that generosity, it seems like with having very hyperactive, impulsive tendencies, you... What do you mean? <laughs> are there any bad qualities? Are there any things that you like? this part of my brain really annoys me and I've realized this is something about ADHD rather than 
just a, yeah. an annoying part of me. There's times that I think I hurt my wife by just talking to me and I'm staring in the space and not listening. You know, um, it might seem a bit funny, but like I'm, I'm staring right through her and through the wall and my brain's building a warehouse somewhere or a new mentoring program or I'm writing a book and I'm, you know, I'm just, it's going straight over my head, what she's saying. Do you have like a million thoughts a minute then? Have you always got, is your brain ever off? I've taught myself how to do a reset and go into the present moment multiple times in a day so I can work for three or four hours, stop, reset, realign, focus for 10 minutes and go again. And I teach that to all my mentoring clients. And that's been a huge change for me. But in the present moment, what can I see? What can I hear? What can I feel? What can I smell? What can I touch? Like I can hear the air conditioning and I can go right into being here right now and think about nothing else. And then I clear my head and go again. And it's sometimes my wife will say to me on a Sunday, go and do your reset. And I'm like, okay, okay. And then I come back. Whoa. Yeah. Because being inside my head sometimes is a very horrible place. But I'm very lucky. I've taught myself through my mentoring skills that I have awareness. If monkey chatter and stuff starts coming in, I can rewire my thinking and bring myself back out of it. I can change my frequencies from gloom and doom to, to success and abundance and happiness and, and tune off the bad frequency and go into the good radio station inside my head. It's really interesting because I think that going into that dark place in your mind can often really spiral, right? It can, you can take you down mm. and recognizing when that's happening can be quite hard. Well, I would wake up paralyzed in bed and not been able to move of fear and anxiety. And I, I wake up aware of it because I've wrote a book, Fearless, an antidote to self-doubt and overcoming all this. And I'm waking up and I'm hating it and I can feel it. I can taste it. But then I'll go through a process of gratitude, goals, mantra, doesn't work and I'll look for a trigger and a trigger could be a video of me getting married and my daughter's being there. It could be my little girl shouting, where's my daddy? It could be us in Disneyland and the trigger will take me back out into a happy frequency. And I know to consecutively look for those, but there's times that can take me three or four hours, but I get up at 4 a.m. So by 7 or 8 a.m. I'm back to being Tom, but at 4 a.m. I could be in a dark place. But I, I am really grateful that I have tools inside my head that mm -hmm. allow me to come back out of me. Because if you get inside your, if you get inside your head, you're dead. And that's why you hear people say, I'm going to get off my head or I'm going to get out of my head because being in it sometimes is intense. And you use that word tools. And that's exactly what I was going to say. This like toolkit of techniques, this toolkit of different strategies that sometimes you need to use one, sometimes you need to use the other, but you've built your own personal toolkit to help you in these moments. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know how to dig myself out of darkness back into the light. I know if I stay in that darkness, I mightn't come out of it. Is that what drives you forward, do you think? Or is that part of what drives you forward? I just know if that comes out at me, it's never getting me. And it's the resilience of being from Belfast. It's the resilience of having the tools. I can see the old version of my head and I just knock it out. You're not getting me. And I'm here to deliver happiness and gratitude and a life of my wildest dreams to my wife and children. And they deserve the lovely version of me instead of some inconsiderate, selfish person who's in his own madness. And I know I need more and more help and work 
to get better now that I've been diagnosed with. So, you know, I haven't had meds or anything yet. And I'm looking forward to trying that. God knows what's going to happen. I Who take knows? medication now and I really didn't want to. The psychiatrist just told me to give it a go. So I was like, oh, fine. I'm, I'm, I'll give it an experiment. And I really, really appreciate medication now. Yeah. 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 I think it'll just be another superpower and I might end up trying to take over the world. I mean, it kind of helps me hone the best bits of myself and it yeah. dampens down the worst bits. So, Christ, yeah. yeah, how much energy are you going to have if you take the medication? <laughs> I'm thinking it might allow me to do more, so I'm excited. <laughs> I mean, it, it might well do, genuinely. Yeah. <laughs> I was also going to ask you, you said like your wife checks you sometimes. Your wife will be like, Tom, you're doing this, you're doing that. How helpful is that? Like that, it sounds like family is key for you. How much is that helpful in letting you be the best version of yourself? I, I completely live for my wife and kids. Like I, I really, my daughters, my wife are my world. And I'm very lucky to have a wife who is, 20 out of 10, stunningly beautiful woman who's super clever and doesn't mind keeping me on check and, and giving me the nudge and saying, step up or, or step down or, or listen. And yeah, yeah, you're right. I also think it's maybe been unfair on her that I didn't know I had this. I didn't know I had it. Um, and now maybe she's, she's going to start getting a better version of me too because she deserves it. Yeah. So let's see what happens. We'll maybe yeah. do another one after I take the meds. and Do a little experiment. I'll report back to the... Back to everybody, you know. <laughs> How would your wife describe you? What would she say about you? Well, I'm definitely loving and devoted to her. I'm full on. I think she maybe deserves a medal from the king for a lifetime achievement award for being married to me. But she knows I worship the ground that she walks on, and she's number one for me and my, and my daughters. So hopefully that's what she would say. But she she's my world. How long have you been courting? We are married 11 years and we're together 15. Okay, okay. And I met her in an airport. I had my little girl, she had hers. The two kids started playing. The, it got called on the speaker that the flight to Paris was coming. I said, they look lovely to meet you. I'm going to Disneyland. She says, so am I. I'm like, I got on the back of the plane. She was on the front. I walked down and said, listen, as I walked down the plane, I was elbowing people out of the road and said, hi, it's me again. And she went, what are you doing? I'm like, there's something going on here. I don't know what it is. And she's like, wow. So she's going, check out weirdo boy here. And I'm everybody's trying to get on the plane. And I'm like, you stop I'm talking to the girl here. And I says, look, there's something there. Can I maybe take the two and far? Can we all go for dinner tonight? And she says, it's not my decision. It's Rihanna's birthday. Rihanna, what would you like to do? And Rihanna says, I really liked Farah, mommy. And she says, me, you've got your yes. So everybody started clapping on the plane. I went back down. We met every day for four days in Disneyland. And in my wedding speech, I said, thank God for Mickey Mouse because we met at Euro Disney. That's like the best I've met my partner story ever, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. It's just, just she's been there for me through my darkest days. And it's, don't know what to do with her. Like. And do you think kind of the best days of your relationship now are even yet to come? Do you think oh, the yeah. more you 100%. work on yourself? Yeah. 100%. I am living a 12-step program and... I just want to be the best version of myself all of the time. You know, always making amends, always being grateful, always trying to do above and beyond, always connecting with God, always thanking the universe, always sprinkling gold dust on somebody, always making her feel like a million dollars, spending time with our granddaughter. I'm a granddaughter. 
You know, it's just, wow, get this whole thing to do again. And life just keeps getting better. But then it's like going to the gym. It's like confidence. I put daily work into it, you know, and if you're putting the work in, you do get it back. Yeah, I think that's so true. Why did you go and get diagnosed with ADHD? What was it that made you even go and do that in the first place? It was, a, it was an accident. I was with one of the top specialists, Dr. Assad in the country. One of my amazing clients, Richard Parker, the two of us are going to be opening a rehab clinic. We just haven't found the right place yet and the right funder. And that we, Richard brought this amazing guy and halfway through our meeting, he says to me, you do know you've got ADHD, don't you? I'm like, what? And he sat and diagnosed me. Then I met him again and he gave me more intense overview. And he's the most, Dr. Assad's the most amazing man. And since then, and now that I realize I've got it. And what did I do? I didn't turn up from a consultation because it scared me slightly about taking the drugs and stuff. And, and now I'm okay with it. And I'm looking forward to going and doing the tests and getting whatever I need to get to make myself the best version of me. I'm sort of proud of having it too. I see it as a superpower. Yeah. We're all amazing. Boom, let's go. It's definitely, it's definitely one of those things where I think the good parts of it when they're good yeah, that is powerful and wonderful. But I do yeah. think for the best parts of yourself, you've got to give yourself credit for that. It's not just because of some weird thing going on in your brain. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, yeah, that is, as you say, that, that daily work that you put in. Yeah. That's a really interesting story. And it's really interesting about you wanting to open the rehab. Where will that be? Or definitely, we'll definitely do England as our first one. Yeah. And then... If we get the proper funding from the right hedge fund, we will do a few more in England and then at Northern Ireland badly needs one in a huge way. Drugs are ruining our country and it's ruining the UK. And I think it's being overlooked and not talked about enough. There's an epidemic, you know. I think there's this huge connection as well between addiction and ADHD. And oh, I worked shit. in a, yeah, and I worked in addiction services for a long, long time. And I never, I have ADHD and I didn't even think about ADHD. I didn't ever think, oh, maybe we should send these guys to the doctor. I just saw the symptom, which was the addiction, rather yeah. than the mind side of things. Now you're in recovery. Do you think that, that you were self-medicating or do you, do you describe it in that way? Or do you think it was something completely different? Great question. Yeah, I, f I just believe it's like anything I do, I'm all in on it. Mm -hmm. And I think I was all in on, on it and I'm just so glad I gra grabbed a hold of it before it grabbed me. And it's a miracle in itself, which I'm very grateful for. And it's, it is just like every single thing else I do. Like if I'm walking to the car park, I'm nearly running to it to try and break the hundred meter sprint record. You know, it's, if I was drinking, I was the best at it. If Stay there's the best, latest, get up early for work. Yeah. I think I made Charlie Sheen look like a choir boy. So, you know, so it is, is, it's been the best. Yeah, which isn't an honourable thing or something to be proud of at all yeah. or an accolade. Ridiculous in itself. But all in, you know, it's like, I'm so glad now I'm all in and loving God. What a nice way to be out the other side of it. Yeah. And it's the nicest thing in the planet. What does the future look like for you? I'm thinking of asking Putin to step down in Russia and take over. No, I want to build my mentoring business, the 100 million pound company and motivate and inspire people all over the world, do sales training globally, write another few books, act in at least another 10 or 15 films, 
love my wife and kids the best I can to my ability every single day and give back to the world as much as I can before I leave in the next, hopefully, 50 years or 60 years or something. Do you, pl- do you plot and plan the future? Do you kind of sit down and do a year, five-year, ten-year plan? Yeah, I create my whole life. I'm the architect of my own world. I write goals within a week, a, a month, right up to about three years is where I stay. And everything I write becomes a reality. Everything. I don't try and manifest it. I visualize it. I see it in my head. What I think I become, but I take the action to achieve it. I'll make the phone calls, wrap the doors, call, send the emails, make the flights, go to somebody's office until that becomes a reality. And I have boxes of journals. I've just done a goal there. Grant Cardone, I wrote that goal six days a week for three years that I was going to do a huge public speaking event with Grant Cardone, the American billionaire. It's now a reality. I wrote one a year ago, no, 22 years ago, that I was going to start acting in movies. On the 13th of September, I'm in an English blockbuster film, Rise a Food Soldier, I'm one of the actors. And my system works, so my dream mentor works. It also keeps my brain on point, which is really good for my head. I know exactly what I'm doing. I've got gratitude in my heart. My mantra is my focus on my armor of who I am, and then I'm ready to go. For me, working as a writer, I find journaling just the most useful way of figuring out what my goals are, but just figuring out what's going on in my brain. So is that kind of like download from your brain onto paper? Is that Mm. something that helps you clarify everything you want to do in the business? If I didn't journal for a month, I would be a basket case. If I don't journal for a week, there's something starting to go wrong with me. I write six days a week, six days a week. Love it. It's my world. It's my life. You know, it is everything to me. It's the most amazing thing. It's not a chore. Everything. I will always get up and make time to do it. Tomorrow morning, this summit, success summit that I'm doing tomorrow isn't finished. I'll get up at 3.30 and start writing. You know, and when it's out it. on paper, you you can see exactly where your destination is. You can see what you've I got to work towards. I feel the power too. I feel the, the gratitude. I feel the happiness. I feel the connection. The words sometimes come up out of the page at me. It's it's really it's really inspiring, isn't it, to hear how you do life. And what I think is most important in what you're saying and what I've heard is that you really enjoy it. It's Love not it. yeah, it's not like the success is the goal. It ain't no chore. Yeah. It's no chore. The journey's enjoyable for you. Yeah. The journey is the journey's the best part of the goal. The goal turning up can sometimes be the arrival fallacy of really enjoy the journey because it's the most enjoyable bit. And I really got it this morning. I was in the present moment. I was on my stir climber. I looked and went, I just got it there and then. I'm like, yes. You know, just for that brief moment, I was like, yes, I get it. I get it. And then I went through the mundane things and work. And even my normal day is, is an amazing day. I'm so grateful for it. Do you ever switch off though? Like, or is rest part of the the process of being productive for you? I will not do one thing on a Sunday ever. It's a full reset. My phone goes away. I don't want to look at it. I just want to speak to Dolores and play with the dogs. And, you know, my little dog, Romeo, has come up with this technique where he comes in onto your lap and knocks your phone out of your hand with his head because he just wants to be loved. And you're like, oh, my God, I love you. 
He my just dog, wants to be. My dog Wilson barks at me if I'm on the phone on my phone on the sofa and I'm like, I need my dog to remind me to like be present sometimes. Yeah, but it's so good. My wife said it very, you know, truthfully. Phones were created to connect people, but they're actually actually disconnecting people. It's so true. But on Sundays I will do zero and it, it, it makes me go into work on a Monday like a machine, and I love it. So really organised with your work-life balance. Would you call it that? I, Do you ever call it sense, that? When I say zero on a Sunday, I mean up at 8 o'clock, walk the dogs, go to the gym, go for a sports massage, and then chill. So it's probably still somebody's idea of a name. <laughs> but it's, it's, not, it's not on your phone, on emails, doing business no, stuff. No, yeah. I wouldn't look at an email for a million quid. No chance. Not a chance. Because if you're in, then the next thing you're back on. And it's and do not disturb my best friend now on my phone. Boom, do not disturb. Or or playing mode. So what is your best advice for people with a very busy brain? What's your best advice for them? Turn off the monkey chatter inside your head. Be really weary on the conversation that you're listening to. Make sure your self-talk is on point. And you're loving yourself with emotional integrity, self-love. If you are having difficulty with your self-talk, change the script in the gorgeous loving movie of happiness, abundance, success, and love. Instead of going to a horror movie inside your head, which could be self-destruct and horrible. You have to love yourself and it all starts with self-talk. Would you let anybody else talk to you badly? Well, then don't talk to yourself badly. You are good enough. You are worthy. You are beautiful. You are strong. You do deserve it. You can do it. That's what I would say. I'll put that on repeat. That's going to be my wake-up alarm, you telling me that. <laughs> uh, and to add to what you're saying, it's a work in progress. It's it's not a life hack, right? It's It's work and you have to do it consistently. Consistency is the secret of all success and all happiness. Thank you so much for your time today. That has absolutely flown by. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you, where we can get more words of wisdom and inspirational talking from? Thank you. So I am Tom Smith with an S-M-Y-T-H. Tom Smith, the entrepreneur on Instagram. I am on LinkedIn. I am the author of Fearless. I own Dream Mentor, a global successful mentor business that will change your world with a proven track record. And if you find me, just send me a DM and me or my team will contact you right away. And anybody who listens to this, thank you for listening to it. Thank you for you for being such an amazing interviewee. And it's a Friday, I'm going to get stuck back in the work and I feel blessed. So thank you for the opportunity. Hopefully, even if it helps one person, my job's been done on the podcast. So thanks. Thank you so much for your time. That was the high energy conversation I needed in my life right now because in the next two weeks I'm traveling between five countries and hopefully finally moving into the massive crumbling renovation projects in Italy. If you haven't subscribed to the newsletters yet I've included all the details in the notes so you can follow this wild impulsive hyperactive journey and don't forget to follow the podcast so you get notified when the next episode drops in a couple of weeks.